Hey everybody, welcome back to the Commander's Vault. I'm JB. And I'm Dale. And we have a ton of shit for you since the last time uh, we recorded. So, uh, Golos. Banned. The ban hammer has been dropped on uh, Sad Robots, Big Brother. And, yeah. uh, you know, rest in piss. Like, I really don't care. I, I don't really care at all. I have no qualms against it, for it, whatever. I just know that it honestly, as much as people are saying, ah, this is BS and the reasons why. If you look at why they said, I think there is some merit to it. Most people get stuck in the whole, like, pile well, of good well, shit. Well, the main thing he said basically is like you know it's warping the meta so many people are playing it it's so easy to build good stuff golos builds like everyone's doing it yeah like lots of people build golos good stuff and like a lot of people tend to get in that mindset where they're like oh well the eight people i play with we only have one person that has it but overall lots of people play it edh rec golos is the number one commander yeah, and I don't it, know if you knew that. And it's only been around since Core Set 19. Yeah, and uh, I think it's Golos 1 and uh, Corvald 2. Oh, wow, Corvald's yeah, up there. Yeah, two. And now I think Corvald is number one. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I think just by, you know, process of elimination. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so break it down for you just in case you're unfamiliar. Golos allows you... Uh, for what is it, Wooberg and three, Wooberg and four? I don't even fucking remember. Uh, five, six. It's Wooberg and two. Wooberg and two. Seven. So seven mana. You look at what the top three, and you can cast any of them. Yeah, or put it into play, I think, or cast it, it for free. It, yeah, it's one, cast, one I think it's cast it for, cast for free. free. So <clears throat> generally, it was people uh, making these good stuff decks. Which, first of all, I think is uh, kind of lame. Like, I think good stuff decks are just lame. Like, you just you couldn't hammer out a, a theme or something you wanted to do, so you just put all the good cards, you know, from good colors that you have and slammed it all together in a five-color deck. And I think that's what five-color does a lot of the time. Yeah, is yeah. It, like, rewards people for playing good stuff. Yeah, and, you know... If they're not functioning as a themed thing, like, you know, Ur-Dragon or yeah. Slivers, like, if, 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 you're, if you're, your commander is one of the four, I think, now, legendary five-color Slivers, what is it, Legion, Overlord, Queen, Hive Lord? Hive Lord, yeah. Is that it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so but if you have... Modern Horizon yeah, if you, Oh, in the first Sliver. Yep, first Sliver. So that's five. Okay. So, if you have one of those slivers, if you're playing the first sliver, I, I might think you're a CDH deck, just because <laughs> the first sliver uh, CDH is pretty strong. Yeah, it's pretty good. But uh, any of the other four, and I'm like, ah, yes, you're playing slivers. Like, yeah, you know. But, you know, Golos could be fucking just about anything, you know. Well, like, like that's what the, the counter-argument I keep hearing a lot, is that they said it's... It's negating diversity amongst, you know, Commander, which obviously it's the number one built deck, so that is detracting from the diversity. But then people counter with, yeah, but you can make it anything. And you do see a lot of Golos builds from 
weird tribal builds to just like big fatties to just good stuff or whatever. But cards nine, over seven mana, like, like Lex's deck, <laughs> nine times out of ten, it's straight up good stuff, and and it's just always the same thing. It's like, what can I tutor to put on top to activate Golos or activate Golos in response? Do this, put it on top put that into play it's not like i've seen a lot of people kind of saying like oh well it's chaosy why are you hating on chaos decks it's not chaos most of the people building the deck are building it just like eureka where to, they're going to manipulate the top yeah. you know you got your sensei's divining tops your tutors all that stuff that puts it right on top you know what you're going to hit so uh i don't know like i love lex's golos deck because he has a catalog of like 300 cards that are just really expensive like mana costed garbage cards and he slots different packages of those in his Golos deck at random like he just picks a bunch of them out of his thing and slams them in there and that is honestly of all of the Golos decks I've played against which is quite a freaking few he has came up with the coolest idea with that. With just like having a massive deck, smashing at random cards together into it, and being like, "Okay, shuffle up, let's go." I have no idea what's in the deck right now. Let's just go. Yeah. And that is true Golos Chaos fun. Not like, the same boring shit. In the in the same vein, like the most popular cards in Golos decks were all just the ramping. So that you can play whatever it is your big spells, right? I think the top four were Far Seek, Kadama's Reach, Rampant Growth, and the Dry to the Elysian Grove. Those are like the top four cards in all yeah. Golos decks, which kind of shows you that there's the only real strategy is fucking ramp your ass off and then just play shit for free. Yep. Which you know the only like sub the the sub. Uh, style of that deck is gates but i mean that's basically the same thing it's just ramping 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 but instead of ramping into something big you're just ramping into all your gates and then just uh, winning with the end. game yeah with mazes yeah. end but i mean the deck the decks themselves aren't like crazy cedh level strong super fucking hard to play against or beat or whatever it's just kind of annoying like when you just play against it so much like i yeah. don't know and well, it, I, I feel like the rules committee have a really good aspect on things and the fact that they travel around and play a lot more than most people. Like, most people get in that set play group. My play group, six people, eight people. I play with ten people. They don't play across whole nations. They don't are, aren't in a bunch of LGSs playing with tons of different people and just constantly keep seeing Golos all the time in pods. And, um, like I said, I mean, with the... Uh lack of diversity really and i think you know lex's deck i think is an outlier yeah like with the lack of diversity in in that kind of shit i i i think i mean i don't really care like i don't i wasn't i never wanted to build golos you know i never was like you know when they when they dropped the hammer i wasn't like oh you've ruined my my favorite you know, archetype. I'm just like, it's whatever, dude. You know, that's whatever. I don't care. Yeah, that hasn't made a big impact on me. I never wanted to build the deck. Yeah, I don't really like five colors. I just think it's always just leads into good stuff. Five color or CDH five color. Like it, it's. And I mean, I've ran good stuff decks. 
Oh yeah, like me you too. know, like um, I used to play a Prime Speaker Zagana, that was just green blue good stuff, and it was. Now let, this will tell you how long ago it was. It was like <laughs> when Profit of Crewfix was legal, uh, you know, and that was like the one of the linchpin strategies of the deck was like I go get Profit of Crewfix and I put it into play, and then I have enough counter magic that you can't get rid of it, and. I'm taking your turn as well, you know. It was just, uh, in, in four-player pods, it was really annoying for people. and I kind of abandoned the good stuff aspect of, of decks. You know, I aside from, like, playing, like, CDH-level decks, I don't play, like, like meta decks. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't really care what the meta is i play like what i feel like playing what i want to play yeah like i have i don't know i think of four or five decks right now and like a few of them are just trash like, yeah you know like same here like uh <laughs> fucking uh zur upkeeps not a great deck but yeah. still it can go off and it does its thing and it's it's fun to play it well can't say it's fun to play against when it gets going but it's way funner to play against than just the same old like meta style like i don't want to say net decking like because it's it's not quite net decking in commander so much but you just you get those decks that you play against that are just like really like the same decks you know you get like the elf ball decks whether it's my cogla deck that's basically elf ball in the shell or you have so a commander you know it's like those style of decks are pretty much the same overall. Like, so the biggest ones that I really come across uh, now is Golos, Turgrid. Uh, those are probably the two main decks that here in this local shop that I see a lot of is Turgrid and Golos a lot. Like, Golos kind of has wound down a bit over the last like six months around here, but there was a time around here where it was like every like every play group I would hop in, you know, one person would have a Golos deck, and they might not play it, but they yeah. have one, you know. Everyone wanted to build it. It was like the go-to cool five-color build this deck, and then it was always just the same good stuff. <laughs> but, yep. Yeah. So. That was the uh, the banning and uh, the unbanning of Worldfire. Now, if you're unfamiliar, Worldfire is one of those uh, big fuck you cards because it costs a lot of red mana. It is mono red. I think it's what seven and two. It's six and three. Six and three. Yep. Yeah, I knew it was nine <laughs> mana. Um, so it's six colorless, three red sorcery. Exile all cards on the field in all players' hands in all players' graveyards. Uh, each player's life total becomes one. Fuck yeah. Yeah. They unbanned that, right? Now there's a lot there are a lot of bands on the ban list that I think are antique. I think they could be looked at and retooled, you know. Think about it, you know, Hulk is still legal, and it was, you know, illegal for the longest time. And uh, they managed to chip away at its its uh, turbo win by getting rid of 
other, you know, getting rid of Flash. Mm-hmm. And Worldfire, I just want to cast. I've never been able to cast Worldfire and Commander. Rule zero, be damned. I, I try to keep my decks legal so that I can play them anywhere and nobody fucking bitches. And I don't have to do a spiel about, you know, oh, well, I just really want to play this card in this deck. You know, I usually try and keep everything's, everything kosher. But now that it is legal, every red deck that I got, it's going in. Don't care. Yeah. Like. I mean, I got two decks, 100% it's going in. Like, immediately. Like, just because I think that it's awesome. Like, you know what I hate playing against is Cyclonic Rift. This is just like, okay, a fuck you to all the Cyclonic Rift. Because I'm just going to Cyclonic Rift everything into exile, and now our life's won. I don't care whether or not I win or not. (laughs) It's just fun, because I'd rather do that in the game's over and in the next turn or two than Cyclonic Rift, and then have to wait another hour and a half for the game to be over yeah <laughs> yeah and uh you can turn one a treasonous ogre that lets you pay three life for a red mana pay 27 life and cast Worldfire. <laughs> that's what i plan to do yeah i'm gonna do it at least once that is spicy i i seen a couple cool builds uh not builds but uh little combo shenanigan things with boros with like uh exile like a like a, what's it, a enchantments that exile something, and then yeah. you cast it, and then it enters back, and everybody loses a life. When yep. it re-ETBs, like uh, the Marauders. When no, I, I know what you mean. Stuff like that. I don't think Marauders actually works. But. Dude, I would love, I would love to win a game with Baron Glory. If you're familiar with Baron Glory, I believe it was from Future Sight. Okay. Uh, but Baron Glory is an enchantment that says if you have no other permanence other than Baron Glory, you win the game. Okay. So, you know, you play Baron Glory and you O-ring it or something, and then yeah. you world fire, and then yep. the only thing left goes is Baron away. Glory. Yep, comes back into play, exactly. Stuff like that I think is cool. Like, I wouldn't mind losing to it. Like, if that's how I lose, all right, yeah. you got it. I agree. Like, I, I personally don't mind losing a game to Worldfire or just letting it go up to whoever can draw draw into a land first and play something that they can start attacking with or something. I, I don't care. I think that's cool. Yeah, So agreed. I'm super pumped about that being unbanned. Don't really care about the Golos thing. So, so yeah, those were the, uh, the rules committee shakeups for uh, this week. Um and also, if you're going to discuss the Rules Committee stuff on Twitter and anything like that, the Rules Committee are people. Don't, you know, don't don't be a jackass is all I can say, really. Yeah, I've heard a, a whole lot on this one, particularly about people saying it's time to stop, start ignoring the Rules Committee. And I just got to heart back to... They just have, I think, a broader aspect of, like, the overall meta. Like, maybe not globally, but in the United States, they travel around a lot. They play in a lot of different places compared to just the average person who's just, you know, maybe hanging out at their LGS or whatever. And they might think, oh, I haven't even played against a Golos deck. Well, overall, if you travel around a lot, you really do come across it all the time. So, I think, whatever, man. Yeah. Rule zero, zero if you don't yeah, like it. if you it. don't like it, there's literally a rule that says do whatever the fuck you want. 
Yeah, so, I, I still have Hole Breacher in my deck, and I just played it last weekend, and literally I said, hey, I have Hole Breacher in this deck. Has anybody got a problem with that? And every person said, no, play whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. This. Do what you do to want to have fun. <coughs> exactly. So, as of right now, I believe the entire Instrad Midnight Hunt is spoiled uh, because, you know, it comes out this week. Yeah. Pre-release this weekend. Yep. Um, I like this set. Uh, it's pretty cool. I like some of the, the things that they did, uh, like the overall, like the adversary cycle I think is cool. Um, White got a bunch of good cards. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking, you know, a new one. Yeah, White getting good stuff. Like, how the fuck? <laughs> so, I did enjoy that. Um, one thing I did not enjoy is the movement of non-standard printed or commander printed cards to set boosters. Now, if you paid attention... There was a cycle of cards that are unable to be acquired through the regular uh, boxes. You can only get them in set boosters, which I think is kind of fucked up. Yeah, I don't. I didn't know about that, but I don't like that at all. Yeah, let me uh, let me find out the actual. I think it lends more to the. To the idea that they're trying to really get away from draft booster boxes and and push more into the set boosters. If you're going to offer just exclusive cards in that, then it really drives people to just be like, yeah, I'm not going to buy draft boosters. Yeah, it's it's Avacyn's Memorial, which is five and three white for a legendary artifact with indestructible that says other legendary permanents you control have indestructible. Okay, so it's Avison for legendaries. Yeah, basically. Uh, and then the visions cycle. Um, the visions cycle, visions of glory, which is white. Visions of duplicity, which is uh, blue. Visions of dread is black. Visions of ruin is gre- uh, red, and visions of dominance is green. Um, that whole cycle will be in the set boosters, um, and only in the set boosters. So, uh, take a look. Visions of Glory for is four and a white for a sorcery that says create a 1-1 one, one white human creature token for each creature you control. And it has flashback of ten. Now, this spell costs X less to cast this way, where X is the greatest mana value of a commander you own on the battlefield or in the command zone. So it subtracts your commander's cost from it. Like, total cost. Okay. Um, now, they said that these were designed with them wanting to play big, splashier commanders. Because you're then rewarded for playing, like, a large... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, High-costed high commander. Um, Visions of Duplicity is two and a blue. Exchange control of two target creatures you don't control. So that's spicy. Yeah. So, like... You have to give it to somebody else, and then you exchange that with whatever you took. So, okay. you know, if you're, uh, you know, like two-headed giant or something like that, you can swap one of their creatures with your partner's creature, you know, because okay. you don't control it. Yeah. 
Uh, Visions of Dread is two and a black. Target opponent puts a creature card of their choice from their graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So they... Okay. And that's that's for three. Okay, that's pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, target opponent puts a creature card of their choice. Well, you're only really going to be using this when you, that whatever's in there that you want and you're able to, to just get that. Yeah. You know, somebody plays their, somebody does the the nut where they're trying to, you know, play a shoulder turn too, like with an reanimate or something like that, and uh, you guys end up killing it, and then you're just like, ah, yes, give me that one creature in your graveyard, give me that, give me that shoulder, you know, yeah. like <laughs> you're you're going to be doing it when it's most uh, efficient for you. Um. Visions of Ruin is three and a red. Each opponent sacks an artifact. For each artifact sacrifice, you create a treasure token. And that's pretty okay. That's all right. Uh, if everyone controls an artifact, the spell only costs you technically one red. Right? Okay. Because you get three treasures from it. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I don't think it's, like, super great because it's four drop um visions of dominance is two and a green put a one one counter on target creature then double the number of one one counters on it that could be pretty good yeah i mean you know your something yeah. like that yeah there's a anything that doubles the number of one one counters on something can definitely be really good depending on the the deck you're and, and the art is pretty great because it's a a frog sitting on a lily pad, mm -hmm. and it's looking into the water, and it's the Gitrog monster. <laughs> yeah, and because it, it even has like the <laughs> arm hanging out from the Gitrog art. Uh, yeah. So I think those were the the set booster only cards. I want to uh, interject here before I forget. Uh, this in this episode there is a giveaway, and uh, I almost forgot about it, but. Uh, the giveaway is going to be for a pre-release kit and for a LGS exclusive poster. Uh, oh, and, that Midnight Hunt poster! Yeah, oh, and, that thing's awesome, and it is really slick looking. So I will uh, make sure to post a picture of the poster that will be given away uh, after this episode. And uh, yeah, just wanted to make sure we got that out there that there's a giveaway going on and. Uh, the uh, passphrase for it is going to be Barnabas, and that is referring to Barnabas the Vampire from the uh, old school show Dark Shadows. It's a uh, 1960s into the early 70s show. Figured that'd be a good one. Bar yeah, sure. Barnabas the Vampire. So Barnabas is the passphrase for the giveaway. Yeah. So just DM that to... Uh, to me or the Commander's Vault on Instagram, and you're entered. And if you don't uh, have Instagram, then go ahead and just email uh, the Commander's Vault at gmail.com with that passphrase to get entered. But continuing on. Uh, yeah. So that was something I wanted to mention was the, the set booster exclusive cards, which I'm not super on board with. Um, I don't think that's the way that we should be going. I know they're trying to sell set boosters, like they want people to buy those to get the cards rather than draft boxes. They're really kind of moving away from draft boxes. 
draft boxes will be for drafting, and set boosters will be for buying just to get cards. Like, I get that. Yeah. But also, I think putting mechanically unique cards in those set boosters that are only available through the set boosters, mm, that's kind of shitty. Yeah. Yeah, it's annoying. Like, if they were going to do... If they weren't going to put it in the drafting set, sure, whatever. But put it in the commander decks. Yeah. You know, like, let them be able to be picked up for the 40 bucks and you know what you're getting. Yeah, exactly. Instead of making it like a, you know. Like a lottery. Lottery, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, let's, uh, I'm going to be honest. We are not going to get through all these spoilers because since uh, <laughs> since the last time we recorded, we were kind of fucking fucking around. So we were like, "Oh shit!" Then all the spoilers <laughs> came out because they have to release a new magic set every other day, or else they can't make their quota. So uh, all the spoilers are out, and we are not going to get to all of them in this episode. We'll probably just end up doing like the mythics yeah. or something. Talking about those. Yeah. The mythics, uh, maybe cherry pick stuff. Yeah, yeah, some cherry pick stuff that we we like and we enjoy. And I I'm gonna be honest, I haven't even looked at all of them. Yeah, I I haven't really had time. I've been really busy outside, you know, in my personal life and everything. So I've been trying to keep up, but we're gonna have to you know wing through this one, going off of the uh, mythic spoilers and. And uh, checking these cards out. Some of them might be the first time we're seeing them, but... Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's get cracking. Um, I think the the first interesting uh, cycle, we have the adversary cycle. Uh, each one of them, except the green, costs one in their particular color. So, we have Intrepid Adversary is one in a white for a human scout for a 3-1 lifelinker. When Intrepid Adversary enters the battlefield, you may pay one in a white any number of times. When you pay this cost one or more times, put that many Valor counters on Intrepid Adversary. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each Valor counter on Intrepid Adversary. That's pretty good. Yeah. For like a weenies deck? Or even as like a finisher? I'm liking this for Winota. Because I can swing with my non-humans get that right off the rip without having to spend any mana at all and then when it ETBs then I can go okay let me sink my 6 mana into yeah. it and now all my dudes are getting buffed yeah. plus 3 it seems it seems pretty good especially since it's not a cast like yeah. if it was a cast it'd be a little more uh, you know situational but I think I think Intrepid Adversary could uh, be a good haymaker for for white weenie decks, um, helping your shit live through Elish Norn, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, when you're getting shit on. Uh, yeah, I honestly I think this is either the best uh, adversary out of the cycle, uh, or we'll get to that later. So we have a Spectral Adversary, one in a blue. It's a flash. Spirit uh, with flying for 2-1. When Spectral Adversary enters the battlefield, you may pay one in a blue any number of times. When you pay this cost one more times, put that many 1-1 counters on Spectral Adversary. Then, up to that many other tar- target artifacts, creatures, and or enchantments phase out. So, I like that it's a phasing effect, not a tapping effect so that it doesn't untap, or like a lot of the 
the spirit stuff that does like the the chill, you yeah, know, like the freeze it, effect. It freeze effects. Um, I like that this is phased out because now you can save your own stuff with it. Yeah, you know, you can have spectral adversary enter the battlefield. Uh, and then phase out your things that you don't want blown up with the wrath of God or save your land that's getting destroyed or whatever, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's pretty sick. Yeah, my green-blue or my green blue deck with uh, my uh, Dark Depths combo. When somebody tries to hit it and I just flash this in and pay an extra two and just phase out, you know, the land they're trying to blow up because they know I'm trying to go yeah. do the Depths yep. combo. Yep, I think I think that's pretty strong. Uh, there's Tainted Adversary, one in a black. You get a 2-3 zombie with Death Touch. When Tainted Adversary enters the battlefield, you may pay two and a black any number of times. Uh, when you pay this cost one or more times, put that many 1-1 one, one counters on Tainted Adversary. Then create twice that many 2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens with Decayed. So Decayed uh, says when a creature with Decayed... Attacks, sacrifice it at the end of combat, and uh, creatures with decayed cannot block. So, I don't really like that, but there are some cards that we might get to further on that I think it's reasonable when you're like reanimating other people's stuff or like making copy yeah, tokens I, of it. I don't, you know, I definitely thought there was going to be something that was like, hey, all your zombies lose decayed. You know this lord, this undead lord, or something. You know, yeah. gives them plus one, plus one, and they uh, lose decayed. That'd be nuts. That'd be really good. Yeah. I just don't like it being decayed on just two, two black zombies, because then it just makes like your zombie tokens worse than regular tokens. Yeah, because they can't block, so you can't hold them back, and you're normally just running them into stuff that blocks them. You know, a lot of good creatures have four toughness nowadays so it yeah. really doesn't matter um then we got bloodthirsty adversary one in a red yeah two two with haste when it enters the battlefield you pay two in a red any number of times it gets that many one one counters then exile up to that many target instant and or sorcery cards with mana value three or less from your graveyard and copy them you may cast any number of the copies without paying their mana cost now that's a uh, pretty good storm card. Yeah, um, that one I think is it. It will be abused. I think we'll see it. It's hard for me personally to think of too much stuff right off rip with it, but I'm sure I will see stuff yeah. very quickly with it, where it pops off. Like, like I was trying to think like maybe I could put this in Toroff, but then at the same time I don't really run too many. Uh, like low CMC stuff sweeps with aside from like the anger of gods like three CMC sweepers that deal three damage or something but I mean even then it might be worth playing you know paying five mana putting this into play and then being able to just cast another sweeper or something like well, well think about it you know you can possibly get your entomb your reanimator one or two drop spells, you know, and auto reanimate something. Yeah. You know, otherwise you don't when you don't have something. So, I think there will be a ton of uses 
for this. But um, I mean, I'm I'm probably not gonna use it. I mean, I could see this being like a just a good storm count card, especially when you cast your rituals and you don't have your Yawgmoth's will or something, and you cast this, exile the rituals, and cast them again. So yeah. you're just essentially netting free mana. Yeah. Casting Worldfire. You know? I definitely think it's like a it's it's a Rakdos style card. I really think Rakdos actually got like a lot of like cool. pretty good yeah stuff to add into their uh to their decks i think this one could definitely do with whether you're doing dark ritual or your red rituals or whatever just like adding a bunch of mana in and like doing something like you said reanimator sorcery spells instant spells stuff like that so uh last one primal adversary two and a green uh for a wolf four three with trample when there's a battlefield, you can pay one in a green up to any amount of times. When you pay this, you put that many 1-1 one, one, one counters on Primal Adversary. Then that many target lands you control become 3-3 three, three wolves with haste that are still lands. Uh, I think in Constructed, this could be pretty good. But not in a... Like, I think turning your lands into creatures makes them worse. Oh, yeah. 100% of the time. When your opponent has 40 life and you're trying, like, the amount of mana that you will be tapping to get any effect for this, if you do it one time, that's still five mana. And that's only turning one dude into a, one land into a 3-3 dude. Yeah, I, I think, like, in the right decks that are already animating lands, it can be good, but... I don't really think that that ability is too great outside of the fact that if you look at it as a 4-3 trampler for 3 mana, that's decent. And if you pay a total of 5 mana into it, you're getting a 5-4 trampler for 5 mana as well as getting that 3-3, you know? I mean, it's not, like, great, but I don't think it's, like, terrible, you know? I don't know. It's just not my my deal. I always so I used to play a Captain Sisse list a long, long time ago, like 2013. You know, almost 10 years ago now. And um, my list was ramping hard to a tooth and nail and getting Kamal, Fist of Croja, and Elish Norn on the battlefield, and then turning all your lands into dudes that die instantly yeah uh so i i am still under the hey if your land is a creature that's bad yeah you know gone like (laughs) somebody you know wraths you or something when you have your lands are creatures like oh it's so detrimental i've personally liked to play decks like that too especially in green where it's just like I'm going to cast this world enchantment and everyone's lands are now 1-1 dudes and now we're just going to go ahead and cast a sweeper and like gruel, say, you know, and yeah. just wipe everyone's lands. But I think it this can be good in the right decks, especially if you're running indestructible lands like Cascading Cataracts or something and all of a sudden now you have a 3-3 beater that's indestructible as well on top of your 5-4 guy. So now you like... You have that additional three-mana blocker or attacker that's indestructible as well. 
don't know. It's just really situational and and, and dependent on what type of deck you're trying to play. So, next set of uh, of mythics. You want to start this one off, Dan? Oh yeah. So we have uh, Sigardian Savior, which is three colorless and two white for an angel. That's a three-three with flying. When Sigardian Savior enters the battlefield, if you cast it, return up to two target creature cards with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it was there was room to be better. I think they nerfed it by making it a, ca- a cast. If you cast. Absolutely. Like, you have things like, uh, what's the fuck? I can't think about it. What's the the angel same cost uh, that reanimates something when it enters? Ah, uh, man, I can't. You know what I'm talking I about? can't think of what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. Oh my god! Why can I not remember this? Uh, but yeah, the. Like, that's just straight up stronger than this card. You know? Yeah, and for being um, a, a mythic out of the set, it I really think that they nerfed it a little bit too hard by making it if you cast it. Like, I mean, we all know you have the, uh, the white giant when it ETBs or it attacks, you can return something. And I just think that that's honestly better... <coughs> Because it's not relying on whether you cast it or not. So, and the fact that it's only hitting creatures two or less, I mean, that's not that big of a deal because there's still a lot of like cheeky combos you can do with uh, creatures. Karmic Guide. Karmic Guide. There you go. Yes, exactly. That's it. And, and that's that's a big combo card, you know? So I feel like they, they probably just nerfed it because they didn't want another card that does the same, like, combos as Karmic yeah. Guide. But, you know, you have Revel Arc that does something very similar to this. Vespal Arc does this with uh, creatures one or less, I believe. But, um, yeah, I saw it, it's an ETB, and I was like, oh, shit. And then it was like, if you cast it, I'm like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, I think it's a meh, meh card. Nothing too special. Don't, yeah. I don't think it'll see like too much play in Commander, honestly, outside of like certain specific decks. Yeah. But uh, moving on, we have uh, Liar, Disciple of the Drowned, which is three and two blue for a legendary human wizard. It's a three four, and it has spells can't be countered. Each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback. The flashback cost is equal to the card's mana cost. This, I think, is like pretty This is high tide combo deck dot <laughs> deck. Yeah. Um, being able to high tide and then flash it back with no extra costs. Like, yeah. First of all, having this dude out automatically makes your turn your turn. Like, no one can cast things to counter your shit. I, I I think it's pretty good, but all you have to do is remove him. Like, it's not like, you know, spells can't be countered, so when someone tries to Doomblade him, you can't counter that spell. Yeah. I, um, I think that makes it okay. Like, yeah. not overpowered. The fact that, like, your opponents can just destroy your shit, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. But I also think that, like, 
it's pretty easy to just look around the table and go, eh, everybody's tapped out. I win the game. I yeah. cast this card, flash back my high tide, and then flashback whatever's in my graveyard and just combo off. Honestly, I probably would never play this card unless I'm going to win right there. Yeah. Because, like, if I have to play this and pass the turn, like, one round around the table, other combo players, like, oh, spells can't be countered? Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. it's right on it. I definitely think it's one of those ones that you, if you do see a, a deck built with this as the commander, that, that thing just sits in the command zone the entire game until they're ready to win. And then you better counter it when they go to cast it or they're going to win the game. Yeah. I mean, in a deck like that, you'd be running something like Cavern to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know. Exactly. I mean, I, I think it's a cool card, though. So. Uh, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, the next one, which is actually one of my favorite cards of of the set, is uh, Lord of the Forsaken. It's four colorless and two black for a creature demon. That's a six six with flying and trample. That also has. For one black, sacrifice another creature. Target player mills three cards. It also has pay one life, add one colorless. Spend this mana only to cast spells from your graveyard. I think that this card is going to see a shit ton of play. Like, in self-mill decks, oh yeah. Do you think? Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, dude, it's a 6-6 flying trample. At six, so it's already meeting the you know six six for six staple on a couple good abilities, and the fact that you can just straight up mill yourself a ton of cards and then just pay life to add colorless. No, I I would I would run this only if I'm like if I'm trying to like combo from the grave with like a Yogmoth's will, like. Moldrotha decks, I think this is great addition in there. Mm, I think okay. Marin decks, like man, you get this thing out with Marin super quick early in the game, and then all of a sudden you're just like, let me just pump a bunch of black man into it, mill tons of cards into my graveyard, and then you can just straight pay life for all the colorless. I think that this is gonna, I think this will see some play for sure. Yeah, but I, I, I I'm really on the fence. like it. I'm on the fence. I like it. And the artwork is just sick as hell, so. Dude, we're, oh, I want to talk about my favorite artwork when we get a little lower here. Uh, okay, the next one is, uh, oop, hold up. It's a red card, Moon Moonvale Regent, for three colorless and a red for a dragon type 4-4 with flying. Whenever you cast a spell, you may discard a card from your hand. If you do... Draw a card for each of that spell's colors. When Moonvale Regent dies, it deals X damage to any target, where X is the number of colors among <coughs> the permanents you control. That's cool. That's pretty pretty decent. I think, though, it also lends into the current banning of five-color good stuff. So if you're playing a deck that has five-color stuff in it a lot, this just gets better. So. Well, drawing cards for casting spells is literally always good. Yeah. Like, when it says cast spell, here's a condition, draw a card. Like, if you are casting a spell like a charm that has three mana, 
you know, say you're on curve, you probably have three other cards in your hand. Are they bad? Fucking hawk them. Draw three more. You know, like, I think this, I think this could be really good. This could be a good, like, combo enabler. Because you, like, it plays into breach lines. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because uh, it doesn't say, like, when you cast a spell from your hand. So you, we can cast these spells from your graveyard. Yep. Like, that's what I think. Lord of the Forsaken, I think, would be great with an Underworld Breach. You know? Yeah. Something to really fuel you when you need that mana. Um, I like... I, th I think the uh, the last ability is just kind of like a little staple on there. I don't... Think that it's like a I don't real care about deal. it. Yeah. yeah. It's that first... I would literally only use the first ability. Like, if it dies, I would probably forget that it does that second thing. <laughs> yeah. And just be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I th I think it'll definitely see some play in, like you said, some uh, underworld breach style combo decks for sure. And I mean, it's only one red clip, so yeah, it's pretty easy to cast. So. Yeah. Uh, and the last one is consuming blob. It's three colorless, two green for a creature ooze with a star slash star plus one. You'll know. He will remember this. Templating if you've ever played Tarmogoyf. <laughs> Indeed. So it says consuming blobs power is equal to the number of card types among cards in your graveyard, and its toughness is equal to that number plus one. Tarmogoyf. Also also if you've ever played <laughs> Tarmogoyf. So the second ability is at the beginning of your end step to create a green ooze creature token with this creature's power is equal to the number of card types among cards in your graveyard, and its toughness is equal to that number plus one. It just copies itself. So, yeah, it just keeps making copies of itself, which we've seen quite a few ooze cards over the last set. I feel like there's been, like, one in at least the mythic or rare slot over the last, like, Oozes. four sets. Yeah, yeah so... I, I like it. I like ooze. I like ooze cards. I think ooze tribal is kind of cool. Like it's getting a little bit better, getting more support. Like maybe we'll start actually seeing ooze tribal decks soon. Yeah. But well, I mean, you know, you got the the alpha ooze experiment crodge. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the ooze. Uh, I think there's another legendary. I think there's two legendary oozes in the set. I think it's called like slow gurk. Or something. Yeah. And it's like in the multicolor, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess going on to the uh, third and final set of Mythics. Yeah. So we got Enduring Angel. Uh, now it is a transform card. It is two and three white flying double strike. You have Hexproof. Three, three. If your life total would be reduced to zero or less... Instead, transform Enduring Angel, and your life total becomes three. Then if Enduring Angel didn't transform this way, you lose the game. So. I'm actually kind of like, I don't, I don't understand that, really. What do you mean? Like, if your life total would be reduced to zero or less. Oh, like, if well, you moon miss this card... You just lose you the game. You lose the game. Okay, all right, all right. That's what I was wondering. I'm like, so, yeah. When now, when would you be hitting zero? Yeah. <laughs> now, they did, game, like, they did clarify. I remember the last time we talked, we talked about cards that transform things. Okay. Well, 
Daybound and Nightbound are static concrete abilities. Like, if it is day, it's things have to be on their daybound side, regardless of what turn it is or who's whatever. Okay. If it's day, that is a field condition for the battlefield. Okay. Like, it is day. You can only affect it via cards that say turn it into day, turn it into night. And the things that say daybound are always active during the day. You cannot have a nightbound thing, and anything that is nightbound, as soon as it transforms to night, it flips over. Okay. So, moon mist and things like that don't work on these cards. Okay. Right? If it's daytime and you moon mist, you will do nothing. They just do not transform. It's because it's written into the ability. They clarified it on Twitter and said, okay, well, if you try and, you know, cheat around some of these things, like this, it you know, if you, try, if you try and moon mist this, you, you, you lose. You just lose. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like, imagine, imagine you're playing, like, Ixidron. Yeah. It says flip it, flip a card over. Yeah, you play this card against like Ixadron against this card, it flips over and then they lose. <laughs> yeah, because it, it technically transforms because it gets flipped over. Yeah, okay, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's funny to me. That is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, uh, the next is Poppet Stitcher. So for two and a blue, you get a human wizard two three. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a two two black zombie creature token with decayed. Blech. Um, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more creature tokens, you may transform Poppet Stitcher, and it transforms into Poppet Factory, which I think is way better. Uh, Poppet Factory says creature tokens you control lose all abilities and have base power toughness 3 3. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may transform Poppet Factory. So. It gives you the choice, like, oh, you can keep making 2-2 zombies, or you can flip it over. And then it's like, oh, man, you blow up all my fucking zombies? I guess I can flip this back over and start making zombies again. I like... Yeah. You know, this this thing is probably nuts in, like, limited. Yeah, definitely like a bomb for limited. Uh, three mana, definitely. Um, I think it's cool. I think the, a lot of the uh, creature tokens that will have Decayed or something like that. You know, I I think Decayed is blech. So, making everything lose Decayed and gain a power and toughness is pretty it cool. It is good, yeah. Um, <laughs> it just improves yeah. those tokens. Uh, yeah. Uh, next, we have Jaren, the Corrupted Bishop. A two and a black for a legendary human cleric. Two, three. Uh, whenever Jaren Corrupted Bishop enters the battlefield or another non-token human you control dies, you lose one life and you create a 1-1 white human creature token. For two, target human you control gains lifelink until end of turn. At the beginning of your end step, if you have exactly 13 life, you may pay 4 and 2 black. If you do, transform Jaren. And he transforms into Big Daddy Ormondal. If you remember him from, uh, what is it, Westvale Abbey? Yep, Westvale Abbey. Westvale Abbey. Um, They kind of nerfed him. They really did. They really nerfed him in this one. Uh, The Westvale Abbey uh, Ormondal. Let me just pop him up side by side here. So the original Ormondal was Ormondal Profane Prince, 
a 9-7 flying lifelink indestructible with haste. That is uh, fucking really good. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Jaren's Ormondal, Ormondal the Corrupter, which is a 6-6 flying trample lifelink, sack another creature, draw a card. No haste, no indestructible. I don't know. I I really was like pumped for this card, but like I feel like the loops and bounds that you have to go through in order to flip this thing outside of like being able to like flip it from day to night is just like you can, it's it's too much. It's, you can like think about it. You can uh necropotence. You could instant do it necropotence. Can you? Yeah. Necropotent says pay one life. Put the card into exile. So you can pay down to 13. I and suppose. Flip. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not like. But you're going down to 13 life to get a 6 6 flying trample lifelink? I don't know. Like, And then someone blows it up and you're just like, because it doesn't have indestructible like the original one. Yeah. He's like, ah, shit. Like, I was trying to think of ways to, like, break it with the whole sacrifice a creature draw card. So I was like, okay, is there anything that I can use that when a creature ETBs, I, I draw a card? To where you could, like, draw a card, get a creature, sacrifice it, draw a card, and draw your library. But I really couldn't think of anything, like... I think there's ways to do it. It is a little hard. Like, um, yeah. I feel like there will be something that someone will figure out, but I feel like that, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of work to where <laughs> yeah. that it just makes it not really, I don't know, not really that exciting, even mm-hmm. though I wanted it to be. Um, so the next... Uh, one would be I do like though that it's a legendary so if you want you can have it as your commander but uh, the next one is Sunstreak Phoenix which is two colorless and two red for a phoenix creature which is a 4-2 flyer that has if if it's neither day nor night it becomes day as Sunstreak Phoenix enters the battlefield whenever day becomes night or night becomes day you may pay one colorless and a red if you do, return Sunstreak Phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. It's a Phoenix card. The Phoenix all have some variation of like, like re- that fuck around type. and do this thing. Put it back on the battlefield. Put it back to your hand. Put it in tapped. Put it. Bring an egg or whatever that other one. Rekindling Phoenix like makes an egg, right? Yeah. And then the egg hatches into the Phoenix again. Like, I, okay. I feel like this one like. Again, I'm sure there's probably going to be some ways people try to utilize it in Commander, but I think this is definitely more of like a limited or like even like a standard style card that is, it's very heavily like influencing on the actual set itself, but outside of this set, there's not like too much stuff that's worried about turning day to night, so... I feel like yeah. this is just really centric around this specific set, and I feel like this is a bomb for sure. Like, if especially if you're going up against, you know, say the white card that's like, oh, you lose the game, and you're just like, oh, well, I'm gonna cast this out, you know, and boom, 
flip it over and no that see the that angel doesn't have day bound or oh. night bound oh okay. you have to, if it's like if it flips and you didn't fulfill that if you weren't about to die and this flips you lose Okay. You know what All I mean? Alright, okay. So it's not yeah, I it's, get it I get is you. A it's not confusing. it's not flipping the yeah, card, it's just it, changing the it, day and night. It is a little confusing. Um because day and night are now markers on a battle on the battlefield. Yeah, it's, it's like different. Yeah, it's weirding me out. I'm like, so I'm like, I gotta, I have a little token, kind of like the crown for, uh, yeah, for it, but it's a, on the battlefield. You get a day and a night token. Too. It's a day, you know. And okay. like, like the like the the crown. Once the monarchy has been introduced, it doesn't go away. Yeah. Right. It, there's no get rid of the monarch card. It's it for the just, rest of the game. Yep. The the crown shows up, bing, and then it's just there. Um, the the last one is Ren and Seven uh, for three and two green it is a planeswalker that enters with five loyalty and it is finally the green uh, walker with four abilities uh, plus one reveal the top four cards of your library put all land card reveals this way into your hand and the rest into the grave uh, it's zero abilities. Put any number of land cards from your hand into the battlefield tapped. That that's is pretty, dope. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Uh, and then minus three, create a green tree folk creature token with reach. And this creature's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. And minus eight, return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. You get an emblem with you have no max hand size. So the... The minus eight, the alt, is almost like Praetor's Council. Praetor's Council returns all cards. This only returns all permanents. permanents. Um, they both give you uh, no max hand size for the rest of the game. Uh, the zero ability on Ren and Seven, I think, is pretty dope. Imagine you're playing something like uh, Tatiova. Oh, yeah. And you're like... <laughs> Oh yeah, I've been dead. I can only play one land per turn, so I'm only drawing that one extra with Tatiova. But you you slam this down and zero it, and you have like four lands in hand. Draw four cards, gain four life. Yeah, like that. I think is pretty solid, uh, especially with something like Evolution Sage. When so if Evolution Sage is out and you zero it and put any you know three four lands from your hand in the battlefield. Evolution Sage then proliferates Ren and Seven up to nine. Yeah, big time. Um, yeah. I I think it's a big splashy Walker. It doesn't do anything super crazy, uh, but I, I you know if the land cards just entered the battlefield not being tapped, that would be disgusting. Yeah, you know, imagine you you're uh, what the fuck is that card? The Rishkar's Expertise because the Rishkar's Expertise can cast this. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I have an 11-11 on the field. Okay, I draw 11 cards, put Ren and 7 on the battlefield, and then 0 and drop bleh, like all these lands, you know. That would be nuts. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that it's any number of land cards, it doesn't specify basics. basics. So, I mean, that really is yeah. is like the knocking it home right there, is that it's any land. Yeah, the, the, the token is like, okay... Like, most Planeswalkers do have to have a defense mechanism, yeah. you know, and th that is, you know, if it comes in at 5 and you immediately minus 3, you have a 5-5 five, five at least. You have a 5-5 five, five with reach. 
So it can block flyers. It, can, it has a decent body already. Um, I think it's okay. You know, I, I could do some fun shenanigans with it, but that's because, you know, I don't think it's as powerful at all as Renin 6. No, no. I also want to know where is 6. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is the, is the, is it the tree? Is it the dude bonded to the tree? Yeah. I don't know the <laughs> lore of Ren and Six or Ren and Seven. If you do know, like, let me know. I did. I didn't check into it myself, but I heard from a few people who were saying they read the lore, and it. They were saying that in this set, Ren and Seven actually helps Teferi cast a certain spell, which we'll get to Teferi later, but in. One of Teferi's minus, his alt, basically, is Seaborn Muse. Mm. And I was kind of, when I first seen the card, I was like, what? Why does Teferi have Seaborn Muse as an alt? But then somebody said, oh yeah, in the lore, uh, Renin 7 helps Teferi cast a new spell that uh. he's never had before. So I was like, what? Okay, yeah. eh, whatever. Maybe they should have probably splashed a green plip in Teferi then instead of, you know, since he's casting a green spell with yeah. the help of green. But, yeah. you know. And uh, the last uh, solid block color mythic is probably one of my favorite magic arts of all time. Oh, yeah. The Meat Hook Massacre. First of all, Dude. great name. It is a legendary enchantment for two and two uh, for X and two black. When Meat Hook Massacre enters the battlefield, each creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life. Whenever a creature an opponent dies uh, controls dies, you gain one life. Meat Hook Massacre, great name. the f The art is just. It's disgusting and awesome. Yeah. Dismembered hand stuck through a, a meat hook. Oh. Yeah. So good. For sure. This looks like a Cannibal Corpse album. Yep. Exactly, dude. For sure. I mean, personally, I, I think this is probably my favorite card of the set. Yeah, it's like, disgustingly good. It, it's so good. <laughs> like, a, a sweeper for Black Black X... That doesn't destroy, but gives minus minus. Yeah. That hits so many more things. Oh, yeah. It's Black Sun Zenith that just doesn't shuffle, but in my opinion, is just better. Because it's also got the other ability stapled on, which can combo with a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Like, this card is just, in my opinion, bonkers. It's so good. Oh, I'm so... Dude, I saw this, and I was like... Oh my god, that is so good. Yeah, dude. I was. Mm, I saw the art. I'm like, that's amazing. And then I read it. I'm like, that's amazing. Holy yeah. shit. Same here. I was just like blown away. I'm like, wow, that is so good. The name is it. It's just so metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This could easily pass for some album art. Oh, for sure. Like, even like, oh, so good. So moving on, uh, we're going to do the last three mythics of the set, um, the, the base set. We'll have the multicolors. Um, we got another Teferi. 
Uh, Teferi, who slows the sunset. Two, a white and a blue. Big surprise there. For a four loyalty starting planeswalker. It says choose up to one target artifact, up to one target creature, and up to one target land. Untap the chosen permanence you control. Tap the chosen permanence you don't control. You gain two life. Um, that's pretty interesting. Uh, minus two, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them in your hand and the rest on the bottom. Okay. Uh, and a minus seven, you get an emblem with untap all permanents you control during each opponent's untap step. And you draw a card during each opponent's draw step. So, for four mana, you get a pretty strong plus one that untaps creatures, lands, and artifacts. So if you're in blue-white, you probably tapped an artifact to play this guy anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know? So this untaps your soul ring and your... Mana your crypt. Mana, you know, or your mana crypt. Uh, soul ring or mana crypt, you get a land out of it and a creature untap as well. So if you're playing this like post-combat or something, you get to, you know, pseudo-vigilance something. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I think. I don't think it's as gut-busting as the Time Raveler. I don't think it's, uh, you know, with the static ability of Teferi, the, the regular yeah. creature. But uh, you drop this into a doubling season, and then you get an uh, emblem yeah. with Seedborn Muse, and you and draw. draw. Like, did they really need to add in the you draw a card on their turn as well? Like, I mean, I feel like untapping all your freaking permanents is, like, pretty damn good. And then to add in, oh, you also get to draw a card is just, like, that's that's pretty, pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Now, I haven't actually, like, played with a Teferi in a while, but, um... This seems pretty okay. Um, I like I said, I don't think it's the strongest time raveler. Uh, I think in I don't think this is as strong as Master of Time. No, like Master of Time becomes an instant target. Like someone casts Master of Time, you're just like, fuck. We all have to deal with this. Yeah, you know for sure. And um, well, I also think though at the same time like. Master of Time is so good that it makes everybody want to target it. I think this is more of a card where everyone won't want to target it, and then that's what makes it good. Is that, mm. like, maybe only one person's like, guys, we need to get rid of this, and they're like, eh, no, no, it's not affecting me. And then next thing you know, they're untapping all the permanents every single turn, drawing an extra card, yeah. and, and going off. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I really think that that plus one ability is is pretty freaking good. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think it's bad by any means. Like I mean, at the worst, you're using it to tap other people's stuff. At best, you're just straight up ramping yourself ramping yeah. hard. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, the next one we have, we find Arlen again on Innistrad. Uh, Arlen the Pax Hope for two, a red and a green. She has Daybound. So if a player casts no spells during their own turn, it becomes Night next turn. So there is, like, the... You can cause things to turn day and night, but you can 
like all the things on the battlefield are affected by day and night if they have day bound night bound. Right? Okay. So it's like the old the old werewolf rules except instead of being a little confusing because it really only works on the player before you and your turn, you know. Like you know, if you're first in the turn order in player 3 uh, casts two spells, then you have to flip your dudes over. You know. Um, this turns it... It's not your next turn, it's the next turn. So, so it's, it, it's like the same thing, but then all things on the... Yeah, all things on the battlefield now follow that rule. Okay. So, uh... She enters with four loyalty, her plus one. Until your next turn, you may cast creature spells as though they had flash. And each creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one. Not bad. And then her minus three is create two, two, two green wolf creature tokens. Uh, her flip side, which has nightbound, uh, also has four loyalty. Uh, has a plus two to add a green and a red. And a zero ability that says until end of turn she becomes a 5-5 five, five werewolf creature with trample indestructible and haste that's mm. it yeah that's, that's pretty good pretty okay I um, mean I personally like that plus one on the on the front side of the card uh, I mean if it's not the turn that you cast it say it goes around the table once and then after that you're able to cast you know creatures at flash speed and they enter with a plus one i kind of like that yeah seems okay nothing too insane yeah nothing crazy uh and then the last mythic we have is sigarda champion of light uh she's one a green and two white for a four four legendary angel flying trample and humans you control get plus one plus one she also has the new ability from the set, Coven. When Sigarda attacks, if you control three or more creatures with different powers, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a human creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, I honestly, for the the stringency of the, the mana cost for a green and two white, I think she should just be able to put that human on the battlefield. Yeah. Um, Coven is hard to get normally. You know, if you think about it, three creatures with different powers that, like, if you're playing, like, a a human's deck, a lot of humans hover in the one, two, three range. Yeah. Most of them in the one, two range. Yeah. So if you have her and those types of humans, you trigger Coven. But if it's just her... You're kind of dicked, and you really want to try and get that fulfilled. But um, I don't think any Sigarda is as strong as Host of Herons, you know, the original one that just has hexproof and can't sacrifice. And yeah, but I mean, I still think it's really good. It's I mean, an anthem. It's, it's a, a f- four-four for four with flying and trample that buffs all your humans. I, I mean. I could see it being a, a Voltron style, you know. Flying Trample on its own is good. And, you know, you strap a sword to it. Strap the black and white sword so it's hard to get rid of. Yeah. You know, so then, you know, no paths to exile, no 
no mono black destruction cards, stuff like that? I mean, I really have seen a lot of the like human uh, effects, anthem effects, and token effects for humans over the last like year or so, or maybe even two years, especially in Selesnia. And uh, I don't know. I I think the card's decent for sure, and I think it can find its place in some commander decks. Oh Obviously, yeah. Oh no doubt. Tier, but I think it's no definitely doubt. a good card. Yeah, I um. I think that, you know, we'll see some human decks with this, you know, working. I think she just would have been, it would have been okay. It would have been okay if she could trigger Coven and put that creature into the battlefield tapped or something. Yeah. You know, I think that would have been fine. Um, but yeah, that's the final mythic in our uh, mythic roundup here on Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Uh, and I think we've been jawing for over an hour already, but... Uh, just a reminder, uh, Dale, what was the passphrase again for the giveaway? Uh, that's going to be Barnabas. That is the passphrase, Barnabas. Okay. So uh, how, how do they enter? Uh, you can get at mtg underscore survivalist at Instagram or at commander's vault at Instagram. Or you can uh, email me at thecommandersvault at gmail.com with that passphrase. Any way of those, you're entered into the uh, giveaway, and that's for a pre-release kit as well as the LGS exclusive poster. Yeah, and that poster is really dope. I yeah. was pretty... I was kind of sad we had to give it away. Yeah, me too. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, we gotta do our... We gotta give away to everybody who uh, you know listens to us and and puts up with us just fucking rambling on. Yeah, and as always, our uh, our our giveaways are always open to everybody globally. I mean, I I can't think of a place that we wouldn't ship. I would only think of places that we couldn't ship. Like, I don't think we could send it to someone like the, in North Korea. The only places I can think of off of the top of my head right now that you cannot ship to from the U.S. is Ghana. That's it. That is the only country that people in the United States cannot send mail to. Really? Ghana. Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that's our Mythic Roundup for Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. And uh, I'm JB. And I'm Dale. And you all have a good one.